This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.17 on this Tuesday morning, you're tuned in to WGNS. And in studio with us this morning, Rutherford County Juvenile Court Judge Donna Scott Davenport. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. And we also have with us Court Coordinator of the Safe Baby Court, Carrie Niederhauser. And Carrie, I hope I said your last name correctly. You did a good job. Well, thank you. So what are we going to talk about this morning? Because I know this whole safe baby court is a, a topic that a lot of people are very curious about. Yeah, it's a brand new court throughout the state. So let's talk first about how many we have. I think there's 12 throughout the state. And we became the second group that came in about two years ago that got the grant. And, of course, with everything where there's services, there's also fiscal notes with that. And this is a grant that the administrative office of the courts manage, and the Supreme Court are the ones that uh, select which counties they would like to have their courts in. And, of course, Rutherford being one of the largest in the state, we were very blessed two years ago to come into this group. So that's how it started as far as that we have the Safe Baby Court. And it's a separate concept. It's a separate, um, we don't meet in the Juvenile Justice Center. It, the concept is less trappings of the judiciary and the courtroom and make it a lot more friendly for our clients that come into that court. So I'm going to let Carrie talk about uh the purpose and, and what is driven by the Safe Baby Court. So I'm curious, how long has Safe Baby Court been in other areas of Tennessee, or is this new to all of Tennessee? So I believe that the first court was either in Davidson County, I think it was Davidson County, and it's been there for several years, maybe three or four years. Um, so they came in and then they they kind of started on their own and then the state brought in some funding and did that first round of courts and then we were the second round we've been up and running since june of 2020. have safe baby courts been in other states or are we one of the first states with this we are part of the group that's the first states but they are in several um, other states it's a national model um, led by zero to three you know it, it's an interesting idea for sure and you always hear about cases, you know, criminal cases involving a baby or, you know, a newborn where a parent did, you know, fill in the blank, which is crazy that stuff like that happens to begin with. But is that, I guess, the founding idea behind opening safe baby courts? Well, the the main purpose, you knew, you have to, to qualify for this court. Uh, of course, every child where there's an allegation of abuse or neglect or abandonment starts with the Department of Children's Services. And they file a type of petition, but the cases that we take, and we're the first in the state to take these type of cases, these children that we have opted to choose in our program have never gone into state custody and into a foster home. They are all placed with a relative or friend that can pass all the qualifications for that so that's one thing that we have and of course they're all part of the team and to qualify there has to be a child 
three to zero, like a newborn. But if we have a baby and they have other children that are older than three, they still qualify for the program. All the children and the families are going to get that service. So the main thought and process of this type of court is that we have, through the graciousness of the administrative office of the court in zero to three, the, the national model, is that the services and the funds are there to hold their hands every day. And that's we have court every other week or once a week, twice a week, depending, because we are growing. When we took this on, uh, my Wednesday mornings are usually my administrative mornings because we don't have but three courtrooms. And uh, we have a part-time magistrate that comes in and works all day on Wednesday. Well, now we're doing this off-site, so my Wednesday mornings or say baby court, but we're doing it off-site. And so we have a place that's still recorded, and we still have all the rules of procedure. And uh, we have a, a handful of attorneys that have volunteered to work uh, in this court because what they get is they get more, let's stay in touch every day. The bonding with babies, that's the main purpose, is that we're trying to reduce any trauma that we have when the babies or the children are not in the home with the parent or parents. So that's the main purpose. So would that be the most, I guess, important thing about safe baby court? Gary? Um, I think so. Um, The whole point is that babies are, have so much development in that zero to three time frame. And to take away mom or dad during that time is very traumatic to the child. So if we can have them, some of our families are visiting with their children every single day. And that's the goal. We want those children to bond with mom and dad. So then at the time that it's time for them to go home, they already have that established relationship. They are well bonded, well adjusted. So it's not a big change for those children. Um, which can result in, you know, if if they have the traumatic experience, it can result in lifelong trauma and involvement in, you know, the criminal justice system and child welfare system again. So we're trying to prevent all of that. I I guess kind of give me an idea of how, you know, what is the process when someone eventually lands in safe baby court? I mean, I'm guessing it starts with a call to DCS or to local authorities and I don't know what that call could be. I guess anything under the sun, and if that child is, what, zero to three, they could fit that category. But what, what what happens? So what's the first thing that would happen? So the Department of Children's Services makes those referrals to Safe Baby Court. When they have children that meet our criteria, they notify me immediately, um, and they'll file their petition to get in front of the judge. Um, we I reach out to those families and talk to them about Safe Baby Court and gauge their interest um, because it's not a program for everyone. It is difficult. We go to court, like Judge said, every month. We have meetings every single month, and we're talking very regularly between myself and the DCS worker. Um, so we, if they're willing to do the program, it is a voluntary program. Um, if they're willing to do it, we'll put them on the safe baby court docket and get them into court. We feel like it's much sooner than the traditional um, docket because there's so many cases um, right now. So by a parent agreeing to be in safe baby court and you know making all the required appearances, going to whatever meetings are needed, what is it that they are, I guess, benefiting out of this, or, or are they? not receiving charges in some cases uh, how, what, what what is it they're getting 
So from our standpoint, we feel like they are getting that bonding time for one, number one. Um, in a traditional child welfare case, you're only guaranteed four hours of visitation per month with your child. In Safe Baby Court, like I said, they are visiting way more frequently than that. Um, in addition, we are providing services that are specific to their needs. A lot of time in the child welfare world, you'll get like these cookie cutter plans where everybody does the same thing. We're looking specifically at what mom's needs are, dad's needs are, and even that caregiver's needs that has the child. Um, you know, if they need things, then we're helping them. I had a, a family that has some children recently, their washing machine went out. So we provided them a gift card to go and assist in getting a new washing machine because you need a washing machine to take care of kids. <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, and, and Judge, it seems like and I'm sure maybe it doesn't seem like this to you because you're in that line of work, but from the outside looking in, it is so confusing when you look at juvenile courts and all the different categories that must be checked or filled and figuring out where to place, you know, whoever in the right courtroom and then figuring out what services they're going to need. I mean, there's just a lot of complexity to everything you do. It's a total different court. We have different rules of procedure. We have different, a whole different title of statute that we have to use because we're dealing with children. We're not dealing, uh, it, when my children break the law, I say we're not dealing with the offense. We're dealing with the offender. But in, in this program, we are dealing with the parents that really want to be in their children's life, especially in a baby's life. And it, it's intense. It's very intense because they are working on something almost every day. We're helping them try to get employment and trying to get housing. And But seeing that child or children every day that you can, it's safe for you to do that, at least they're seeing mama or daddy and holding. There's nothing better. You can see them on Zoom, but being able to have that in-person connection even newborns they're getting to to bottle feed them and do all the changing of the diapers and all all the other that comes with it besides just the the hugs and kisses and dcs that's not really their go anyway but they are so stretched but this program is set where we can hold their hand every day and carries with with them just about every day on the phone okay don't forget we've got this meeting set up for you we got this treatment level you need to go here to get your evaluation or we're going to do this we're going to do that because they need that direction they need more every day one-on-one for them to get the job done and the reward of that is they get to see physically be with their babies or their children if there's a sibling group and that is what's mainly unique about this because there is trauma and trauma exhibits itself many years later than when they exhibited when they first experienced that trauma so that's one thing is we're trying to eliminate trauma in our children in years later and even though they might not be living with mom or dad i'd say nine out of ten of ours are living with a relative so they know them already and then when mama can come into their home or daddy and spend time with them then it, it it just gives them what they need also to know that they can do this and our attorneys are on it i i can't say enough and the uh, dcs workers that are signed to baby court everybody's uh 
vested in in this passion of what Safe Baby Court can do. And we had our first graduate maybe three weeks ago, so we're very happy about that. She was just one amazing. Uh, she had some struggles, but she always just pushed straight through. So the mother or the father that is participating in this program through the courts, what is the percentage of the ones who are actually behind bars versus the ones who are on probation? Well, now they some of them might be facing some criminal we have to screen out some of those charges uh but if they're incarcerated they're uh, do we have any that have been incarcerated i can't recall we just accepted a new case that we have one father i believe in a prison situation and one that is in uh, rutherford county but our hope is that once he's able to get out of um, jail then we will just pull him right into the program and start working with him as well so if a parent gets arrested for, let's say, drug use, and they have their child with them when they get arrested. The baby then gets placed in some type of foster care program or with a relative, and then they can choose, if they meet the requirements, to be a part of the baby court program. How long are they in the baby court program before they actually maybe get that child back, and what does that look like? That's, that's dependent on their progress. So, you know, I get that question every single first appearance that I meet with families. When am I going to get my child back? Um, and that's what I tell them. It's dependent on you, um, how much progress you can make. Um, you know, substance use is it's sometimes very difficult for families to kick that habit or beat that. So we are assisting them in getting whatever specific treatments they need, you know, from day one. Um, we make a plan, um, and it, it's usually more lengthy than the plan that they've had when the child was taken away. We're looking at why are we using substances? Was there a past trauma that we need to deal with? So we're looking at mental health evaluations as well, as well as parenting classes. Um, we have several families going through like financial management classes because that's a big issue. Um, we've connected with all the money that's coming in for housing. We've connected with some of those programs for our families because they need their housing. Housing is a major issue here in Rutherford County for our families. So whenever somebody is participating in this program, it sounds like you've got a long list of things to change for each person who's involved because they're going to have different background issues. They're going to have different addictions different you know crime patterns from being arrested in the past i mean there's just so many different things that you've got to formulate a brand new plan for everybody absolutely and we have worked with the courts um sometimes when families or when mom or dad are arrested they put in no contact orders so we've worked with them to get those lifted so they can see their children um, they get the progress reports of how the family's doing in safe baby court and we've had several judges very pleased with the progress that our families um, we're making so they're like yes you guys see your children and we'll deal with this criminal stuff you know when we get to it so we're excited that that has happened have you had cases yet where maybe uh, you know from the beginning a father wasn't allowed to be around that child um, because of a court order but the mom was but yet you're able to reverse that so the father can start to be around the child you know supervised and whatever other requirements are needed but do you have cases like that? Absolutely. Like I said, um, sometimes those non, no contact orders are put in place, not because the parent was physically abusive or, you know, a safety risk, but because of maybe they were found um, with drugs or there was a situation where the child was in the car when something was going on. So those no contact orders are kind of standard in some of the courts. So we have been able to have those lifted and pull those dads right in. 
um, to the program as well. At what point throughout this whole process does Judge Davenport step in? I mean, what at what point, I guess, Judge, do you come in and say, well, I see you've been doing all of this, but you're going to need to do this one more thing before we allow whatever else to happen, happen? Yeah, you know, it's still the role of the judiciary in this program to still be the judge, oversee the program, make sure everything is going uh, according to our statute and our rules for Safe Baby, but at the same time, be able to have a more one-on-one with that parent. And we've had a lot of our in-person where they bring the babies. And now I'm really enjoying that because I never get to see the babies. And uh, that, it, just seeing them bonding is so um, exciting that I know this program is working because we just had that graduate. What's normal in a DCS is, and it's usually, look, guys, you've you got to choose your drugs or choose your children, and, and DCS is going to be there. i got you an attorney, this and that. But this program, they see me more often than they would with DCS. And primarily, I'm the only judge that's handling this docket. So they get a, a, a more of a relationship with me. And so we have to make sure we go over the plan uh, every time we have a case. Uh, Miss Carrie gives us what progress we've made, what we maybe have a snag with, or what we are heading to do the next week or two. And I encourage, I always love to encourage, I love to praise, but at the same time, if, we, if we've got some things that are roadblocks, then it's still my job to say, you know, this is still a court order. And this is an obstacle that we really need to focus on and let your children be your goal. And we've got, and these people are all here. And like I said, we've, we've got maybe five attorneys, five or six regular attorneys that have volunteered to help us with this program and take on this caseload when they're not really getting paid that much. And I, I think that my role is still to keep them on track, just to steer the ship is what I say. You know, Carrie loads up the, the boat, and here we go. You know, and everybody tries to balance it, and I just kind of steer it. So it's still trying to keep them on and let them know the importance of, and I, sometimes I have that stern tone. And uh, But most of our cases have just been incredible with the progress that they're making. And I think the difference is you've got somebody to give you hope every day. When you look back at the years you've served in the juvenile courts, are you and I'm sure you are, but are you able to see specifically, well, you know, that child, he's been in our court system 30 times since he was, I don't know how old, but are you able to see, you know, he he was raised without a mom or a dad, and he didn't have that one-on-one -on -one time, that nurturing time with a parent when he was a baby up until five or six years old. Are you able to see and say to yourself, you know, this would have helped? I wish we'd had this program many years ago, many, many years ago. With me being on the bench right at 22 years, of course, I see children who I removed as a child. I see young adults who now have children, and I removed them from their parent when they were babies or, or young. And sometimes we can't break that cycle. And our goal is to always, let's don't have another generation you know, I don't want to see this child in here committing a crime. I don't want to have to take your child away from you. Because and the difference in safe baby is they're not in foster care. They're not in state custody. We're bypassing all that to give them an opportunity still 
to still have involvement with their parents every day if they can arrange it. And we're doing a lot of our review hearings, of course, by Zoom. And I think we're going to continue that because here's what's so great. We've learned so many great things with Zoom that has helped us. Just the other week, I had a father. He's he's on it. He is just, I just am so proud of him. He's on his forklift with his phone on Zoom having our update. And have because he he couldn't. We were a little behind. He had a break, and we were a little behind getting to him. But he was out there on that forklift, and it was beeping. But we were okay with that, you know. <laughs> muted out until you until you talked to him. And he's on. We can see him on that forklift, and he hadn't missed a beat at work. And he's there. And we have a lot like that that are they'll go out to their car and their break and and zoom in, and because they've got to keep the job, and we it, because it all comes together. They we all have to have that stability, and. How long the program takes, that's one thing that we were very honest with our attorneys, is that there's no guarantee. But if you take a normal case, especially if your children have already exited into the foster care system with the state, it's going to take two to three years more than likely. And if you haven't progressed, they're going to start a termination proceeding. This system, this type of program eliminates. We reunify when it's safe. And DCS, they may start some overnight visits, they may start a weekend visit, and then that goes well, and then we have a 90-day, we exit, and if it all goes well, we know when we're ready to send these children home, we're not got the honeymoon has been over. <laughs> there is no honeymoon phase because of what they've achieved, how hard they've improved the parents, and that they're going to be stable enough. And we told our graduate the other week, um, I don't think that she's, I think she's just going to be fabulous. Um, that even though she's out of the program now, of course, we still have a safety net there for her for a while. That Miss Carrie, she's got her number. She'll pick up the phone and talk to her, her attorney, her guardian ad litem in that case. They will still be there for her no matter, now they might not be able to advise her, but they can get her where she needs to be if she has any kind of issue. And I think that's another graceful thing about this program is that we've got so many resources that we're able to be on top of every week and if we need to see them every week we're going to see them but it's usually every other week to once a month depending on what we're having to get them to do so it's a more intense program again we're talking about the safe baby court program here in rutherford county with rutherford county juvenile court judge donna scott davenport and court coordinator for the safe baby court carrie niederhauser and uh, we'll talk more about this in just a minute we're going to take a short break you're tuned in to wgns on this tuesday morning hi this is peter demas with demas's restaurants one of the things when we were looking at trying to craft our menu to help those who are dieting is the side dishes a lot of times we were so used to eating starches and unhealthy side dishes in addition to our spinach which we've had on the menu from the start we've added zucchini and green beans but we've also added broccoli the broccoli is properly steamed so it's not too soft and not too hard please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at demas's hi this is dan mitchell at music world and drummers den murfreesboro tennessee if you're starting a home studio you need to come to music world and drummers den we also have interface for home recording, podcast. We have USB microphones, all the equipment you need for home recording or podcast. We are your local music store. You need to come see us. 
Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. This is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. Why move into a new house and, and leave a home that you already have memories with and, and sentimental value, and we can come in, and, and whether you want to totally remodel your house or if you just want to update your kitchen and bathroom, we can help with any of those things. So when we decided to redo the playroom, it was obvious. We called Faro Construction. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. Fair Construction Company. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. Spent 20 years in the U.S. Army, spent time in the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, and retired in 2004. U.S. Army veteran Ron Leonard. I saw a lot of stuff. Been 10 years first in the Navy, so I saw it from the Navy side, and then I spent the National Guard my last 10 years. But we did see a lot off the coast of Iraq during Desert Storm 1, and yeah, we did see a lot. You made the switch. Well, my record was good, and I laid out a year. And then uh, back in the 90s, joining the National Guard was a lot of fun because, you you know, you just did your two weeks. And after 9-11, as we know, those things changed. Kind of sure. tell us what you do now. We came in contact with a group called Canines for Christ, and it's uh, training your dog to comfort uh, wounded warriors and those that suffer with PTSD. So we started training our dog, Molly. And Molly now is a therapy dog to our wounded warriors and folks that have PTSD. And we're also working with local local law enforcement helping victims of crime. For those who are not familiar with post-traumatic stress, tell us a little bit about that and what some of these veterans are suffering from sure. when they come back. Sure. PTSD was uh, something that has been prevalent since almost the beginning of time, but it was not diagnosed until the 1980s. But it's actually a person that comes back and they have flashbacks. They withdraw from people. It's considered from one to four, which four is suicidal. And over 30% of our troops will be dealing with ongoing PTSD when they come back. The WGNS salute to veterans with Army veterans. Ron Leonard. Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Locally and veteran owned. Fast and available 24 7. Join the Home Health VIP program at Restoration One for disaster prevention. Restoration One, the water damage experts. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 844, we're broadcasting from the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window, making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks online at willowwindow.pro. And this morning we are talking about, here in Rutherford County, the Safe Baby Court. And this is a, a, a new program that started how many months ago now? Well, we tried to start in March of 20, so been going about nine months solid. So in the very beginning that first week let's say that you had this new program up and running did you already have participants in it so we we were all set to start in march and then COVID, of course and then we kind of pushed back until um we were going to start in july but then i got a call from juvenile court that said hey i got a family that would qualify for your program so we ended up starting in june <laughs> 
With us this morning, Judge Donna Scott Davenport and also Carrie Niederhauser, the court coordinator for Safe Baby Court. So court coordinator, what what do you do? What is what does this entail? She does it all. <laughs> So I am a neutral party. I don't work for the court system. I don't work for DCS. Um, I actually, our money is run through a nonprofit here in town, the Prevention Coalition for Success. Um, so I work with the families and with DCS and the community at large. So my job really is to encourage the families to do what they need to do that DCS is asking them to do. Um, I'm also seeking out resources in the community that will serve our families um, because not every resource that the families need is already established. Um, like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes families need assistance financially getting things that, for their homes. Um, we need visitation spaces um, because sometimes there's that little family conflict and, you know, that relative may not want mom or dad in their home. So we're looking for churches that already have an established visitation room because they have children's church. Um, to volunteer and say, hey, you guys are welcome to use our, you know, room one once every six months or whatever it may be. So that's really my job is kind of to pull the whole program together. You know, I, I know in re the regular court atmosphere, you may have an offender who was arrested for who knows what crime, but sometimes they find a friendly face, somebody that they feel like they can fully trust, and they'll open up to that person and say, you know, also I've got this going on. But has that happened in your situation for your position yet? And if that does happen, what what do you do? Because you are in the middle. You are the one who's, I guess, you know, you don't really judge one side versus the other. What do you do in those situations, though, where somebody opens up to you and it's something that's really bad? Yeah, so I, I tell my families all in our CFTMs, our meetings, that, you know, there's no secrets in Safe Baby Court. You are more than welcome to tell me whatever it is, and I'm going to encourage you to share that with the team. Um, if you don't feel like you can physically do that, then I'm going to get permission from them to do that if it's something that we really need to know or the team needs to know. And that's part of the difference where we're talking about the rule of the judge. I'm not in those meetings. A lot of that could be hearsay. It could be just uh, hard feelings between family members or whatever i don't ever hear any of that what i hear every time we meet is the progress or our stumbling blocks i don't hear all of that but they need that they need to come together everybody at the table and feel safe to share whatever knowing that if these are my issues i can share that i'm going to get some assistance with this i'm not going to be judged by that because I don't ever know that, and I don't need to know that. That's not the role of the judge. It's there to make sure that the program is progressing, that they understand it, they have any questions, that DCS is doing their part, that we're doing our part to help them be successful through this program. So that is very important for the team that consists of Carrie as the coordinator to make sure that all those issues are addressed and that they're safe in that environment to share whatever if there are those type of issues. So Carrie, you have to really have a, a very good working knowledge of all the different programs available that could potentially help somebody who's going through baby court, such as drug rehabilitation, alcohol rehabilitation, or you name it. I mean, you have to be well connected in order to figure out and say, oh, well, here's what we can do. 
Because you got to be fairly fast at figuring these things out, right? Absolutely. So the first part um, of this program, before we started taking cases, that's what I was doing. Um, reaching out to the community, who's doing what, um, what services do you guys provide, um, will this benefit our families? Um, so telling them, one, about Safe Baby Court, and then also asking them about what they're doing. So I spent several months just doing that. And Carrie's background is how many years with DCS? Uh, ten. Ten. So we kind of grew up together. And so I knew her capabilities. I knew her connections. I knew she knew where to go to help. And if anybody's out there listening in your church can maybe help us. Like we had a program over a year ago when we were fixing to start this. When we thought we were going to start. I think we had it last in 20 January or February. That if you're a mechanic and you can uh, help us with a car that needs to be uh, repaired or or anything like that if you want to do your part we really would appreciate it and we're going to give some information before we sign off if that's okay carrie for people to get in touch with you but she's known the resources the reputation is so great that that's what we needed in a court coordinator because i can't go out that again that's not the role of the judge you know but that is the role of the program so that we have all these resources and more resources than normally through DCS. You know, I, I think on average, somebody who, you know, has has had a life of crime or a life of addiction or, you know, fill in the blank. I think a lot of those people have this underlying thought that court's bad. I'm going to get in trouble. Absolutely. That's, that's why that. we don't have it in the courtroom. It's a more relaxed atmosphere. I never wear my robe. It's it's a totally more relaxed atmosphere. But at the same time, they've got to know the seriousness of it. Because we wanted to take, that's part of the program model, is that you take the, all those trappings away so that they're a little more comfortable uh, of, of where we are and, and they're comfortable in coming in. And, of course, Zoom is not that big of a thing. But when they come in in person, because sometimes they have to come. they want Some of them want to come in in person. And, and we're able to do that uh, without any problem. So it, it is, and it either they have an addiction or there are allegations. We, we have certain criteria, and we're not going to take any uh, severe uh, physical or sexual abuse against a child. But... Um, if they've just been, uh, sometimes they may have an assault against mother, uh, those type of things. We have a litany of things that they have to qualify besides just the age of having a baby in their home. So for the parent who is accepted into the baby court program, they have to totally change the way that they think. I mean, in multiple ways, not just that whole thought of I'm here to get in trouble, but also the whole thought of they're here to help me and help put me in the right program that's going to change my life. Right, and that's and that's a hard reality for some of our families. I've had some of them who've, you know, done some things that they probably should have, could have made better decisions at, and then when we finally get to our meeting and we talk about, you know, what was going on, they're thinking, well, you know, I just thought I was going to be in trouble. And Safe Baby Court is not punitive. Like, we're not here to get you in trouble. If you don't complete the program, you don't go to jail. It's not like one of those programs. Um, you know, some families are not ready to be parents, um, and that's okay. Um, because we have that backup plan already. We've already got that child living with a relative that they've established that relationship with, and they will just seamlessly, you know, release the custody to them if that parent is to the understanding that they can't do that. Because addiction is hard, um, and sometimes you have to be ready to do that, and sometimes people are not, um, and that's okay too. Um, we're going to keep working with them and keep, you know, encouraging them to do the right things and to get sober, um, but if they can't, we're okay with that. And some of our couples are married. 
they were living together or not married and living together and if one is successful and one has not taken the best road for them we're still going to work with both of them but there may be a graduation for only one parent there may be an exit of custody to only one of those parents that's still a reality but most of ours that are couples have really bonded together to say you know we together want to be involved in this in our children's lives so it sounds like you probably have even seen marriages saved through the program you know because it sounds like your work the the couple they're probably having to work together a whole lot more than before they are and and in one a particular case one of their biggest barriers was not able to manage finances. They both had good jobs. They just couldn't manage it. And so that was where that financial piece comes in with helping them budget and, and know what they've got coming in and what's going to out. And, and that t- something just that simple was such a barrier for them in their marriage as well as getting them through safe baby because they couldn't provide. Though they had the means, they didn't know how to provide. And that's a lot of it is that we just need to give them hope and we need to give them skills that they need in their toolbox. I would say for a huge percentage of the population, it is probably hard to imagine somebody, a parent, not caring enough about their child to make a sacrifice to you know, be enrolled in a program like this. But then you have all those other underlying issues such as drug abuse and addiction and it's also hard for the general public to understand how strong that addiction may actually be. But I'm sure you're able to see that in working with people that, man, addiction can totally change a person's character. Absolutely. It hijacks your brain. Um, it changes the way that you think. Um, like you said, some people are like, well, how could they do that? That's how their brain works because the substance that they use has you know, made them go make those decisions. So instead of, you know, wanting to, you know, go and visit their child, their brain says, go and use. Um, So if we can get them into treatment immediately, and that's our goal is, you know, day one, let's do an alcohol and drug assessment. Well, let's see what your needs are. Um, We understand that you don't have housing and all that, but we got to, we're working on that addiction piece first, um, because that was what we feel like is the most pressing. And then you have all the underlying reasons as to why that addiction started. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was a, a childhood trauma that they experienced, they went through, that they've never gotten help with. So. Absolutely. And trauma, it is. It's generational. And we pass it along. And we also know about relapse. Because we've had them in the program. They've relapsed. You know, and so we take some steps back. And we have some consequences. Not bad. But, I mean, maybe right now you're not going to, you know, they won't enjoy the consequences. Why? But maybe you're going to have to have supervised, you know, instead of non-supervised a few hours or whatever. So, but we don't give up on them. When they give up on us, we're still going to try to pull them in. And when they finally disappear, then we've done everything. But we are so excited that most of the families that are in this court, they're just really thriving. And we're, we're expecting some more graduations pretty soon, so stay tuned. And other great things coming to Juvenile Court in a few months. We're going to have another surprise for our listeners of a program that's coming. And um, so we're just excited. It, it, it ne- it's never changing. It's always, I mean, it's always changing. It's always exciting and uh, stressful and, and, and sad and happy in Juvenile Court. <laughs> We've got about two and a half minutes left. So as we close this morning, is there a way for people to, I don't know, get in contact or 
learn more how they can participate in this if they know a family member that is in a situation where they need the safe baby court yeah absolutely they can contact me they can email me they can call me um i can give my phone number at 615-913-1930 or my email is carrie c-a-r-r-i-e at pc4s.com dot org i'm sorry so if, if somebody can't remember all that that <laughs> quickly it, w- what website should they go to in order to you know get all the contact information so they can look at the prevention coalition for success is where my information is listed um, and if someone's working with dcs they can talk to their dcs worker about safe baby court if they feel like they would qualify sounds good uh, anything else you can think of well it is the grant money it's not costing the county one penny and we're running our grant money through a nonprofit, and uh, it's it's just been so successful so far. So we're we're just gonna just go out there and love our children. I used to always close before COVID, go hug a child today. So we might be almost where we can do that again. That's right. And uh, yeah, if you have any concerns, contact Carrie or your DCS uh, office, and uh, we're we're here just to try to take care of our children. Sounds good. A lot of uh, positive changes in the courts and hopefully everything back to normal real soon. Real soon. With the whole pandemic. So, But thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Again, with us this morning, Juvenile Court Judge Donna Scott Davenport and also Carrie Niederhauser, the court coordinator for the Safe Baby Court Program. Time right now, 8.59. We do have more news and information coming up. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. 